Okay, deserving listeners, I have a question for you. Let's say that someone tells you that they were taking care of their grandmother who had Alzheimer's and was late-stage Alzheimer's disease. And she decided out of compassion that she would administer a lethal dose of sleeping pills to her grandmother as a way of ending her loved one's suffering. Let's say that she tells you this, you know, you're having a few glasses of wine and she says, I just got to get something off my chest. I, my, my grandmother, she had Alzheimer's and, and it was just getting worse and worse and worse. And she was at a point where she didn't know who anyone was and her life was, you know, slowly deteriorating over years and years. And it just got to a point where she was going to die soon anyway. And rather than prolong the issue, I decided to give my grandmother a lethal dose of sleeping pills and she died and no one found out. And I, I don't, you know, I, I feel like I did the right thing, but I'm, I'm not sure. Okay. So imagine she says that then imagine she says, and you know, my mother, she also suffered from Alzheimer's and she also was in late stage and suffered over years and years. I went through it again and I saw the writing on the wall and I decided to do what I could to end the suffering for my mom too. And when I was taking care of her, I stopped giving her her heart medication and that likely resulted in her having a, a heart attack and then she died. If I had given her the medication as prescribed by the doctor, she might have lived longer, but she was so out of it. She didn't recognize who I was. It was, it was heartbreaking to, to go through this again with my, with my own mother. And I just couldn't, I just couldn't watch her suffer like that. And so I knew she didn't want to live that way. And, and so I just stopped giving her the medication and she had a heart attack and, and then she died. And again, no one found out about it. And, and uh, I'm, you know, I'm just telling you this. So imagine this is your friend. What would you do? Would you call the police? Would you not call the police? Would you tell somebody? Would you make an anonymous call to 911? Would you tell your friend that she did the right thing? Would you be afraid of your friend? Would you stop being this person's friend, what would you do? You know, think about that. Now, think about if you're a therapist out there, imagine your client tells you this. Your client is saying, so I've you know, been wanting to get something off my chest and since you're my therapist, I thought I would tell you about this. My grandmother had late stage Alzheimer's and wasn't really there anymore. And so... I gave her a lethal dose of sleeping pills and she passed away and no one found out about it. But for the most part, I feel like I did the right thing. And then when my mother years later had the same condition and was slowly slipping away and was finally at a certain point, in my opinion, gone, 
she was no longer herself. She didn't recognize anybody. She couldn't function. I stopped giving her her heart medication, and then she died soon after that, you know, due to heart complications. And I'm likely the cause of that, but I don't know what to think of it. For the most part, I feel like I did the right thing. What, what do you think, therapist? Okay, so as a therapist, imagine what you might say. Also, imagine what your mandated reporting uh, requirements are. Are you ethically or legally responsible for alerting the authorities about this? Because looked at in one way, this woman has just admitted that she murdered her family members, two of them. And then also think about this. Think about, then she says, and since I'm, you know, essentially the caretaker in this family of people suffering from Alzheimer's, I'm, uh, my family is wanting me to take care of my aunt who is in the beginning stages of Alzheimer's. And so uh, I, you know, just, just to let you know that. So imagine you're a therapist and, and you're thinking, Oh, is, is she going to do this? This a third time with her aunt. What am I supposed to do? do am I mandated to, to call the police? Do I need to talk with the aunt? You know, what, what are my responsibilities here? Well, I'm going to get into that today. This is the Psychology in Seattle podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Kirk Honda. I'm a therapist and a professor at Antioch University. And I want to talk about ethics here. This situation that I'm telling you about is a situation that someone wrote into a ethical um, expert and then the expert wrote an article in the Family Journal. This episode is just for patrons of the podcast. So if you're listening to this and you're not a patron of the podcast, this episode will end before the content begins. If you want to hear the full episode, you have to become a patron of the podcast by going to patreon.com. That's patreon.com. Go to psychology in seattle and become a patron of the podcast when you become a patron you get access to all the premium episodes of which there are several and you also know that your month part of your monthly pledge goes towards various charities that we support all right welcome to the patron zone people as i usually say we love you very much because we really do love you for becoming patrons thank you thank you so much it's really great to know that you love us enough to become patrons Spread the word, too, especially if you're in the field. Other therapists will probably want to become patrons. Do that. Do that. Okay. So this is, like I said, an actual situation that someone wrote in about. A therapist is saying, my client just told me that she murdered her her grandmother and murdered her mother. I mean, that's not what she's saying, but, you know, she essentially caused the death of her grandmother and her mother in late stage Alzheimer's, and she's about to take care of her aunt, who also has Alzheimer's. What are my responsibilities here, ethically? What am I supposed to be doing? Now, some of you out there know the answer. You, you're smart cookies, you're up to date on the law and the ethical codes, and you know the answer. Well, let me, uh, let me walk us through this a little bit. Baseline, our profession provides our clients with confidentiality. And this is a very important to know. And if you've listened to this podcast long enough, you know that I have a particular bone to pick with our 
profession in that a lot of times confidentiality is not valued in the way that I think it used to be. I think it's because of the way that agencies and the culture of the way that agencies and and the way that government agencies have, have sort of infused themselves into the practice of psychotherapy. But there's been this erosion of the value in our field, I think, on confidentiality. Plus, with new laws being passed that uh, create new exceptions to confidentiality, I think it just creates this overall confusion for therapists about when we're supposed to keep things secret and when we're not. Overall, it's important that we value confidentiality because if clients are going to come to us and trust us to be able to tell us whatever uh, they're going to tell us, then they need to know that we're not going to tell other people about what they're telling us. And this is very important. We don't tell our spouses. We don't tell the cops. We don't tell the president of the United States. We don't tell other therapists. We, we keep everything what they say confidential. This helps outcomes in therapy. If we're going to help people, we have to know what's really happening. And confidentiality facilitates that disclosure from clients. So that's, that's always our, our baseline. However, there are situations in which ethically, legally, or even morally, one might be required or consider breaking confidentiality. So there are very few instances where this is the case. Now, in this 2013 article in the Family Journal, what they're saying is that the, the therapist that wrote in and said, I have this client that said she um, basically murdered her, her grandmother and then did things that, uh, you know, neglected to give medication to her mother and her mother died. And she's asking, first, should I report this? Well, in the article, which was written in 2013, they said, no, you should not because confidentiality needs to be upheld. And if you tell anyone about this, you bring confidentiality and that's unethical. Uh, they don't say this explicitly in the article, but that can lead to a complaint from the client, which can lead to you having sanctions on your practice or even uh, monetary damages or losing your license. There, there's consequences, real consequences to you as a therapist. Then the second question she asks in the article is, am I mandated to now tell the aunt that uh, what has happened and to warn the aunt about potentially being harmed by this, by my client. And their answer to that question is no, because unless there's imminent danger, which we don't have that yet, then you're not required to break confidentiality. In fact, you're not supposed to. It, it, the threshold for reporting about future crimes or future harm to other humans it is very explicit. It says there has to be imminent danger, imminent danger to self or others, imminent uh, threat of life. It can't just be like, I'm going to go punch someone in the face. It ha has to be, I'm going to shoot him in the head. And it has to be imminent. And the the general guideline for imminent is within a couple days. Some say within 24 hours. So if someone says, I'm going to kill someone next week, in some interpretations that that's not imminent. So even though there's a chance that this client will do things that might lead to the death 
of her aunt at some future date. It's not imminent and it's not even for sure. It's not even the, the client hasn't said, I'm going to kill my aunt at some point. The, there's just a precedent of this person doing this. And so it seems possible that this client might do it in the future, but so it's not imminent and it's not for sure. And so um, they're saying that you're not supposed to report that either. So in the article, they're saying, don't tell anybody about what you're saying. Now, some of you might be saying, wait a second, I thought that we were supposed to report not only, so So let me review what they're talking about in this article. It, it doesn't constitute child abuse. So those are, th- so what I tell my students are, when it comes to past events that we have to disclose, those are mainly things related to child abuse and neglect, sexual abuse of a child. So if if a client comes and says, I sexually molested my child 10 years ago, then you're supposed to report that to Child Protective Services. And But if someone says, I killed someone in the past, then you're not supposed to report that. So it has to, if it's past behavior, it, it, it has to do with child abuse. If someone says, I'm going to kill someone imminently in the future, then you have to do things to protect that person by contacting that person and or calling the police. So, so if it's in the past and it's abusive to children, then you report it. Even if it's like the neighbors, like someone says, Oh, my neighbor, I heard my neighbor beating their children yesterday. You have to report that you're a mandated reporter in all likelihood in the United States, in all likelihood, every state's different, which makes things confusing. But in Washington state, anyway, that's how it is. Well, in I think, I think the late 90s, they passed in Washington State the Vulnerable Adult Protection Act. And this protects people who are adults who might be vulnerable to abuse and are basically like children in that they can't defend themselves adequately and they, they can't they might not even be able to communicate. They might not be able to call someone. And so these vulnerable adults uh, are now protected under, under the law and our mandated reporting is extended in the late 90s to this group of people. Now, back in 1993, when this article was written, I don't believe the movement to protect adults had been established yet. And so, so the article was right that they should not have back then contacted anyone, even though morally speaking, you might feel obligated to professionally, ethically, legally, you, you can't, you're not supposed to. But late nineties, this vulnerable adult protection act was, was passed in Washington state. And I'm guessing a lot of other states, usually that's how things go. And it protects people who are 60 years or older, 60 years uh, of age or older, who are functionally, mentally, or physically unable to care for themselves. So it's vulnerable adults, not just adults. It has to be people who are unable to take care of themselves. Or it's someone of any age who has a court-appointed guardian, or any adult who has a developmental disability, or any adult who lives in a nursing home, or who get services from home health hospice or home health care agencies, or gets service from an individual care provider or personal aid. All of these adults who are 
essentially considered to be vulnerable to abuse and cannot adequately uh, advocate for their safety. So these people are protected and we are mandated to report. The different professions that are mandated to report are police officers, social workers, therapists, counselors, employees of long-term healthcare facilities, physicians, nurses, nurses' aides, psychologists, and pharmacists. So all these people are, are mandated reporters in Washington State. And therefore, if this case were to be brought up now, and a client came to me, for instance, in Washington State and said that they had given their grandmother a lethal dose of, of sleeping pills and had withheld medication from her mother that led to both of these women's deaths, then under the adult Vulnerable Adult Protection Act, I do have to report that because uh, she, uh, in, a, in a very real way, led to physical injury of both of these people. One was quite deliberate with the sleeping pills, and with her mother, it was neglecting medical care. The uh, Presumably, this client was, was in charge of medical care, both these people, and was um, either uh, you know purposely harmful or, or neglecting a medication that led to harm. So now, this does not say anything about the moral implications. Many of you might say, well, morally, it was a compassionate thing to do. She's not a murderer. She was actually doing something out of goodwill. And the grandmother and mother probably would have wanted this. Uh, most people don't like to be this mentally disabled. And if it's a, and if they're about to die in the next couple months anyway, then please, yeah, just put me out of my misery. Most, most people are like that and they do surveys on this and it's, it's, you know, most people would rather just be put down, so to speak. And so morally speaking, you might be saying, well, it, it was it was the right thing to do. Now, I don't know. I'm a therapist. I'm not going to comment on the rightness or wrongness of it. But that's something to think about. And so as a therapist, if you're about to make this report to adult uh, protection services, uh, they're called uh, Adult Abuse and Prevention. Uh, let's see. What's the exact agency called? Uh, Aging and Long-Term Support Administration within Department of Social Health Services. I don't know. It's just called adult protection service. But anyway, should, you know, if you make this report, what, what's going to happen? Well, there's going to be an investigation and the police could get involved and this woman could be charged with murder and could go to jail. And um, so there's that. So if you believe that she did the right thing, and now you're mandated to report, which will cause this woman to be jailed for doing the right thing in your mind. And that's something that you have to think about. And many people might say, if, if you believe this woman did the right thing, many people might say that they might take the, the chance and not make that mandated reporting uh, action because they don't want the woman to incur any kind of consequence for this because the therapist doesn't believe she did anything wrong. And so it's, it's something that therapists will do. I know therapists that will 
do that. Now, if you do that, you're taking a risk, one, of if it comes out that you did know, you could be sanctioned or you could lose your license or sued or something. And, you know, that would be bad. The other thing that you need to consider is you might be uh, wrong, right? And maybe the client is much more dangerous than this. Maybe the client is a serial killer and is only revealing to you a little bit of what she's done. Maybe she's killed tens of people in this way and she gets off on it or something. I mean, you just, you know, so you're making a decision for society by not reporting, even though you're legally bound to do so. And that there could be real consequences to that. And are you willing to take that risk of responsibility? Is that something that you're willing to do? Yeah, it's just something to think about. So if you did contact someone who you're supposed to call, Ghostbusters, of course, just joking, you're supposed to call again the DSHS Department of Adult Protection Services. And what are you supposed to tell them? Well, you're supposed to tell them the uh, vulnerable adult's name and address. You should have their name and address, preferably at least their name. And you should tell them about the nature of what happened, about the abuse or neglect. You need to provide your name and address and any other helpful information. Now, in Washington State, the government says that they will keep your identity confidential unless there is a court action or you allow them to use your name. So unless you give permission to use your name on the report, in all likelihood, they'll keep your name out of it. Having said that, if your client told you about this and you made their report, your client will likely know who made that report. But it is uh, somewhat, there is some protection to the therapist in terms of not revealing who, who made that report. Also, as they're, they're clear, the government is clear that as long as you are making a report or testifying in good faith, you will not be liable for any damages resulting from the report. So if, if, you're, if you're doing the right thing and you're doing it for the right reasons, then you're not liable for anything happening from that. You're, you're safe. The government protects you from that because they want to encourage people to make those reports. Now, for the second question, should you report to the aunt or to the police that, look, she, uh, this, my client, is about to take care of her third person who has Alzheimer's, and she might hurt this person. Well, in a nutshell, the law is the same and the ethics are the same. You do not make the report. Tarasov has not changed. And so you do not make that report, again, because it's not imminent. It's, it's not, it's, you don't even know if that's going to happen. One, two, if it was going to happen, it is, it's not imminent. It's not for sure. So you are bound by confidentiality there. Now, having said that, if you made the first report, you would tell them all the details and you, you would mention, by the way, she told me that she's going to take care of this other woman who has Alzheimer's. The government will look into that and the police will look into that and will likely bar her from taking care of any other people in that situation. Now, having said all that, I'm not sure what the government would do because she might actually be able to make a case of, look, she was, she was going to die in the next few months, and this was a mercy killing. This was a compassionate mercy killing. There's a chance that the woman would not suffer great consequences. I'm not quite sure on the law of that. I mean, baseline, 
she committed murder twice, right? But looked at another way, it's you could see it lots of different ways. And so I, I'm not exactly sure what the government would do there. It's also important to note that this Adult Protection Act extends into financial abuse too, financial exploitation. So it's not only just physical abuse, sexual abuse, psychological abuse or neglect, which is common for children as well, that the law protects them and mandates that we report those. But it also includes for elderly people and dependent adults, vulnerable adults, financial exploitation. So if you as a therapist learn that a vulnerable adult is being exploited financially, you're actually mandated to report that, which is interesting. So according to one study, about 14% of non-institutionalized elderly people have had experienced abuse, neglect, or financial exploitation. So that's pretty shocking, right? 14% of these vulnerable adults had experienced abuse, neglect, or financial exploitation. That's, that's pretty shocking. And so I think that it's something that we need to raise awareness of and we need to do something about it. And this, this act to mandate reporting of it is an effort to reduce that. But I just want to reiterate the importance of confidentiality and the importance of upholding confidentiality. Whenever we talk about this sort of thing, there's a, there's a twinge of, of, I don't know, of worry that I have that the more limits we put on confidentiality, the more it erodes our ability to help our clients. I, I wish that are the the reporting laws were not mandated reporting, that they were suggested reporting or allowed reporting. There are certain precedents and laws in Washington State anyway that state that therapists can make certain kinds of reports, like if they believe someone's going to be harmed that and it's not imminent or someone's dangerous. I can't remember the exact law, but... There, there are precedents in place and laws in place that, that give therapists flexibility to say something, but doesn't mandate it. Any therapist will tell you that they have, particularly early in their career when they're at these agencies, when there's a lot more likelihood of uh, hearing information that needs to be mandated reported. Well, there's any therapist will tell you that they have made a report that they didn't feel was helpful to anybody. You know, a a um, a, an immigrant family that didn't know about the laws of the land, parent their children the way that they parented their children in the old country. No one told the parents that corporal punishment has certain guidelines around what's legal and what's not. And if they had been told, they would have followed it, but they didn't know. And they did something, and the kid went to school. And said, yeah, my dad, you know, did this. And yeah, I have a bruise on my arm because of it. And a CPS report is made and then a criminal trial. You know, there there are situations where teachers and therapists will say, you know, getting the police and CPS involved was not the answer. What was the answer was I could have just gone to the parents and said, look, I know you're a good parent, but you can't do this or else you're going to get in trouble. There, There are plenty of situations like that. Many, many nuanced situations. No abuse 
reporting situation that I've run across is the same. There are just so many different situations to run past. And so I just wish that it was more in the therapist's hands. Now, what many would say, and perhaps even me, is that when you leave things in the therapist's hands, they're they're just simply not going to make the report because it's easier to avoid than it is to actually take action. So, yeah, I, I agree with that. But like I said, I, I'm i an old school therapist when it comes to this sort of thing. I, I really believe in the institution of confidentiality. And I really want our profession to be known for being a confidential relationship. And I um, don't appreciate it when we have just more and more laws and more and more case law that uh, requires us to um, break that confidentiality. I, I think that we have to put the brakes on it at, at a certain point. And so, um, so I'll just say that. Uh, so, you know, there are very few instances and situations where you're supposed to break confidentiality or even should. And so if you're a therapist out there, just make sure that um, you uh, think that way because, because that's the way I would like you to think. <laughs> All right. Well, that does it for that episode uh, called Psychology in Seattle. Thanks for joining me so much. If you haven't already reviewed us on iTunes, that can be nice because I think that that helps get us higher on the lists, I think, so that people know more about us. So if you can review us on iTunes, that'd be cool. Some of you already have, which is pretty nifty. All right, well, that does it for the episode. Thanks for joining me out there. Please take care of yourself because you deserve it. You you really do, you know. You really do deserve people to take care of you and for you to take care of yourself. If you need a vacation, take it. Take a personal day. Get away from it all. Uh, go to the doctor if you're sick. Um, you know. Get a nice treat for yourself. You've, you've worked hard. So, you know, especially if you're a therapist. We all know we work hard. All right, bye.